as always, I just want to um, welcome you. If whatever background you have, whatever religious background you have, this is definitely a place that, uh, you know, I hope and pray you can belong before you believe, whatever journey you're on. Um, obviously, you know, uh, we are uh, a church, and I'm going to read uh, out of the Bible in that. And so that's kind of where we're coming from on these topics, especially with relationships. Um, you know, I want to begin like with this experience I had. So I was walking through this house, me and my wife, we didn't have kids at the time. And, uh, and we get invited to this couple's house in San Diego. And there's a part of San Diego, it's called Rancho San Diego. Rancho San Diego um, is, or, or Rancho Santa Fe is what it's called. And it is one of the most e expensive places uh, in the United States to live. It's where celebrities and all these people live. And so we get invited to their house uh, and, um, and they were new to our church. And, and so we just see, they sent us the address and we're like, oh, wow. And I remember we, we go up to their house, the gate opens and all this. And we're just like, oh my goodness. And we walk through the house, and as we're walking through their house, I should call it like an estate, um, we're walking through, we're seeing all these pictures, and all the pictures are like perfect. Now, these, this husband and wife, they're like perfect looking people. All their pictures are like, just one picture would be like a lifetime highlight for me. Like, like all these pictures are in these, like your bucket list, it was like their wall was your lifetime bucket list, and they were our age. And so we just look at them, and it's just like, you know, and, and I'm looking at my wife, Lindsay, and she's looking at me, and, and we're kind of, and, and we're just looking, like, uh, the pictures, and then they had kids, and their baby pictures, and their babies look perfect, their wedding picture, wedding picture was perfect, and, and so as we walk through that, we're experiencing this, this, like, this feeling in us, like, like, what's wrong with us? We don't measure up. What are we missing that they found? And, and for you, it may not be a house. For you, it may just be social media that you experience that, where, where you, you're scrolling through and, 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 and you're seeing these, these pictures, you're, you're seeing these experiences that other people are have that are your age, and, and, and you're looking at that, you're looking at the smiles, you're looking at the, the happiness, and, and all of a sudden you find yourself totally getting caught up in, what do they have that I don't? What are they doing that I'm not doing? And why are, are, are my pictures that represent my life, why are they so boring? Why is there nothing exciting? How do I create that excitement? And, and so all of a sudden, you're, you're filled up with this, like, I don't measure up feeling, this, this insignificant uh, thing. And, and all of a sudden, you find yourself, just as Lindsay and I were doing with this couple, you find yourself comparing where you're at and what's going on in your life and the happiness you have to somebody else. That's really quick. Like, I would say now it, it, it happens, like, almost in the blink of an eye. You're, you're seeing something. I mean, how many of you have just gotten lost in social media, and it's like you're in this daze, and it's like you look up, and it's been like two hours. You know, what happened there? You're like, I don't know. You got caught up, and then all of a sudden, though, I think if we're not careful, we find ourselves going down these unhealthy roads where we're looking at other people's lives, and we're literally saying, uh, we're not verbalizing it, but we're thinking, man, their life is better than mine, and they're happier than I am. And, 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 and we look at these things, and what it leads us to do is we start to create these successful outcomes for our own life, and we base it off of somebody else's life. 
In other words, uh, as Lindsay and I got into the car after meeting with this couple and we're driving back to our house, um, we're sitting there, we're, we're having this conversation of literally what decisions, what financial planning, uh, do, what do we need to shift around so that we can live like that? Like, that's what happened in our lives. And you guys, some of us right now, and like I said, it may not be you walking into a house, but, but it could just be social media. It could be something else that you've seen uh, or you've heard about. And all of a sudden, you've created this, this, this picture of what it looks like for you to be successful. And if that doesn't happen, you don't measure up. If you don't look like that, if you don't have that, if, 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 if this situation uh, is not a situation you're able to experience, then, then, then you will never arrive. You won't have this successful outcome with your life. And part of this, too, is we just want, deep down, like if we're just honest, we want to look the part of what culture says is most fulfilling. We do. That's why we, we try to keep up with the trends. Even if you're like, I'm anti-trend. Well, you're also trying to keep up with how to be an anti-trender. You just are. Okay? And, and, and so we all find ourselves on that, and we go on this quest to experience what we're supposed to have. Guys, this isn't a surprise, because the Bible talks about how that's actually designed in you. In, um, in, in Ecclesiastes 3.11, and Ecclesiastes um, is, is a book written by Solomon, wisest man to ever live. And, and literally, he talks about um, how life essentially does not work out when you pursue all these things to give you what only God can provide. And he says this in Ecclesiastes 3.11. He has made everything beautiful in his time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. So what, what is that saying? So there has been placed in your heart eternity. Now what is eternity? Eternity is the ultimate fulfillment of everything, including love. So eternity, when we think about eternity and, and, and this experience with God, God is love, eternity in my heart that, that, that is there, that, 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 I, that is, is placed in me from God, which is the reason whether you believe in God or not, but you all experience this desire, this anticipation for more, that is actually the fulfillment of love that, that we're seeking. We're seeking this fulfillment of love. And, and, and so if we're honest, we're all looking for this, and most of us believe that in order to experience that, it has to be attached to dating or marriage. Dating or marriage. Has to be attached to a relationship. I can't experience the fulfillment of love without that. Like that's what we think. And so we walk around trying to fill this void that only can be filled in eternity. That, that is only a void that God can fill. And, and here's the thing too. When, when we, we walk around um, looking for this, uh, what happens is we also start to look around and compare the love we experience to everyone else's. Okay, and, and, and if we're single, we, we immediately default to our lack of love and fulfillment. Like that is a natural thing when I talk to people that are single. Now, now listen, I hear, I've heard all the lines, I'm dating Jesus, okay, Steve? I'm like, that's weird. 
So stop saying that because that's just weird. Okay, so let's quit with that one. And or or I'm just. And in fact, when people say like like I'm just I'm I'm just content being single right now in my life. Usually I go, okay, who are you about to ask out? Because usually those people, like a week later, are holding hands with someone. I'm like, what? You were content? No, you weren't. Okay. No, God. And I'm like, okay, cool. Good for God. Yeah, yeah, God. Okay. Um, but I think, I think for a lot of us, we, if we're single, we almost act like there's something wrong with us. Now, maybe there is. That's what, no, I'm kidding. Um, but we do, right? We, we, proje- we project that. We project that. Now, listen, let's be honest. There may be reasons you are single that you need to deal with. Like, I'm not going to pretend they're not real. Like, if you are a jerk, good luck. Like, who wants that? We got enough of those. I don't want to invite that into my house, right? Or I don't, I don't want to be dating that. You know, if you are always negative, why would someone want to be with you, <laughs> right? If, if you always, um, if, if you're wanting to do things in your life that only you want to do that are in opposition to Jesus, why would someone that's trying to follow Jesus want to be in a relationship with you? Like they wouldn't. You're going in opposite directions, okay? So that doesn't even make sense. So yeah, there is times when we need to look at the mirror and go, wait a second, I need to actually make some shifts in my life because I'm actually um, part of the problem here. But I think that's also the issue is we immediately go, I'm a problem because this isn't in my life. We immediately think there's something wrong with me. Uh, that we, immediately, we immediately build out the worst case situation. There's something wrong with how I look and all these things. And like I said, a lot of that comes from not, not essentially how you, um, what you actually believe about yourself, but it's based upon how you're viewing everyone else. And because you're viewing other people in that way, you project something on yourself that's not true. You start to look at all these other, uh, these relationships and all these things. And we look at these relationships and here's what's such a lie, you guys. Oh, they're so much happier than me because they're in a relationship. You guys, I know a lot of miserable people in relationships. Some of them are in this room. No, I'm kidding. I know a lot of people that are married that are miserable. So if you're looking for that to deliver something that only God says he can provide. If you're looking for a dating experience, like, like some of you have gone through dating experiences and you've dated with someone. And I remember I dated this girl and, and I was miserable, but I kept thinking, oh, she loves Jesus. So this is what God wants. And I'm like, wait a second. What is my view of God like if he wants me to be with someone who makes me miserable? That's not a good view of God, okay? And, and, and some of you have been in relationships, and some of you, you've been in relationships for years with somebody, and it has not been good. It has not been healthy. It has not been right. And so you know what I'm talking about when I say a relationship cannot fill that void. But for whatever reason, because of culture and our parents or our friends, we think that's going to deliver on the void in me. We think that that's going to give me that sense of security uh, that, 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 I'm, that I'm feeling or that I'm not feeling. And so um, we idealize and we romanticize these other relationships. And, and guys, I mean, the statistics show you. I mean, if 50% of marriages are ending in divorce, what are you doing romanticizing all these relationships? 
I don't know about you, I just watched that Netflix special. I don't know why I watched it. It's awful. Do not watch it. It's a documentary of that Colorado couple um, family, and the husband murdered his wife and his two daughters. Awful. Awful. It was trending. I fell into it. It was awful. And me and my wife watched it, and it literally, like, like my wife couldn't sleep. And I'm like, honey, you think, I mean, come on. Like, I mean, yeah, we have our disagreements, but I'm like, I'm not plotting something. Like, we're good, okay? Uh, what's your life insurance policy? No, I'm kidding. Um, but it was so creepy and, 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 and horrible, but there's all these pictures of this very normal-looking family on social media. He's successful, all this, and you may look at them and go, wow, they had it together. They're a great family, but in reality, it was so evil, and, and, and that's a very extreme picture, but you guys, some of us are, are literally romanticizing things that we have no business romanticizing, and, and, and so... Literally, like a backpack, we carry this insignificance, this, 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 this feeling that I don't measure up. There's something wrong with me because I don't have that. I'm not in a relationship. It underlines our moods. We're insecure. We feel desperate to the point where it comes out on a date. Like if you go on a date, for some of you, you're so desperate because of how you feel. You are willing this date to work when... If, if you were in your normal mind, you'd be like, oh, no, this isn't going to work. But because you have literally placed this huge expectation and pressure that it has to work, that you have to find this, you're pushing yourself into a relationship that's not even good for you. You have no business going into that, you guys. And that ultimately will, will do way more damage and harm to you. And, 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 and it leads us to question about everything about who we are, how we're designed, how we're made, how we look, all these things that you have no business questioning right now. And here's the thing. The Bible tells us a, dis- a different story about where fulfillment in our lives comes from. In Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, uh, this is a young prophet who is, 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 is like God is, is talking to him, and he says this to him. Now the word of the Lord came to me. This is Jeremiah saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. In other words, before you were born, I knew you. I had already set you apart for this incredible work that I'm going to do through you to the nation. In Galatians 1.15, Paul, who wrote much of the New Testament, um, he says this, but when he who had set me apart before I was born, born and who called me by his grace. In other words, there is incredible design intention uh, with our lives. There is purpose. There is thought given to who you are. And that's so important for you to know. And, 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 and God is saying this, and, he, and he's just talking to you outside of everybody else. And that's what's important, you guys, because uh, many of us, we attach our faith to other people. And he's speaking this directly to these people. He's speaking this directly to us. And the question that I have for us is, does how I live my life communicate that I believe that? Does how I live my life communicate that when it says I've set you apart, I knew you, um, I, I've, I've designed you uh, for, and, and placed you here for such a time as this, do I actually believe this and, I, and do I live this? Because here's the thing, you guys. It's the double-edged sword. We have freedom of choice. God's not going to literally like force you 
and pull you along. You have freedom of choice. I can choose to follow Jesus. I can choose to be content with this plan. I can choose to date. I can choose to marry whomever I want. I have choice. But the question is, what am I choosing? What am I choosing? In Psalm uh, 73, 25, the psalmist says, Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. Okay, there's nothing else that I desire more than you. And so the question has to be asked, is Jesus enough if things don't happen how and when I want them to happen? Is he enough? And guys, if you find yourself in this spot where, where you're single and, and, and you are discontent to the point where you're resentful, to the point where you're questioning things about yourself you have no business questioning, to the, to the point where you're romanticizing other relationships to where you're saying that has to be me or I have to look at, that has to be my story or I haven't arrived, you're actually communicating that he's not enough. That that, 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 that actually delivers. See, if, the, the reality is this. If you're single, is the love of God in your life less significant if you're single? Did Jesus say, hey, so I especially died for those that would be dating? That's who I really died for. The single people, uh, no, he didn't do that, right? In Psalm 37, 4, it says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. So he made your heart and knows what the true fulfillment of that is and what that isn't, okay? And if, and if that doesn't include a boyfriend or a girlfriend or even marriage, is God a liar? So if he knows the fulfillment of my heart and I'm following and pursuing him and I'm not in a relationship, does that mean that, that he's not delivering on, on what he promises to, live, to deliver? If I am 45 and I am not married, uh, does that mean that that verse is not true? Because if I believe that, that means I've replaced him with something else that I've said has to deliver or else he's not real or else He's a liar or else I'm not going to put my trust in him. And I think that you guys, I think we act and live like that's true. I think we do. I, I, I don't think we verbalize it, especially in like a, a Christian type gathering. I don't think we verbalize it, but I think a lot of us, we think that way deep down. We, we live that way and we date like this. We're putting so much pressure on dating and if it doesn't work out or, or they're not the one, we freak out, we lose our minds, our world stops. And it's like, what in the world? We're literally like, what am I, what am I going to do now, God? Like, like, what do I do with my life, with myself? And what I'm actually shouting in those moments is, God, you're not enough. I don't trust you. And that's bigger than just dating. That's in any area of your life. The second part of that verse doesn't happen. It doesn't come into your life before the first part, right? It says, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. So it has to start with what you're going to choose to delight in. Okay, like the desires of your heart come after I choose that I'm going to delight in him. And so you guys, I've, you know, and I shared this in the relation, uh, the whatever, topic I did I don't know what it was dating 
I had to come to the point in my life where he actually was who I delighted in before I was able to actually experience what and who he had designed for me. That had to happen for me. And, and, and I want to encourage you to, to make a decision on that. Who, what, who are you going to delight in? And, and, and here's the other thing. When we don't have that mindset, we miss some key things that the Bible actually says about people who weren't married in these relationships. In 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 7, uh, verses 7 and 9, um, Paul writes this. He says, I wish that all were as I myself am. Okay? Now he's single. But each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. To the unmarried and the widows, I say that it is good for them to remain single as I am. But if they cannot exercise self-control, you know who you are, they should marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. Some of you are like, oh, I'm burning. Okay, and then in verse 32, if you're burning, go outside, okay? Take a shower, a cold shower, okay? And then in verse 32, it says, I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please uh, his wife. And his interests are divided, and the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. You look at that and you go, oh, those verses shouldn't be in the Bible. I don't like that. I don't want that. I don't need that. Um, why is that there? And how can he say that? And there must have been something really wrong with Paul, right? He was that guy. Like, it wasn't going to happen anyway. So he decided to go, oh, look, be as I am. It's so spiritual. No. What in the world? Why would he write this? Well, what we see uh, throughout this is, is this theme of undivided time, undivided allegiance. We see this in priorities and what defines my priorities. You guys, I've, I've said this before, and I know it sounds weird when I say it, but I'm just going to say it anyway, uh, is I was um, a way more efficient pastor when I was single. I was way more efficient. In fact, I, I was a pastor, and then I, I, was, I had multiple coaching jobs on the side. Because I was a youth pastor. I wasn't making a lot of money. And, but I could do all of that. And, I mean, as a youth pastor, I was at every kid's event. I mean, like when they were warming up for volleyball, boom, I'm there. When they were shooting a hoop, I was there. When, when they were wrestling, and I didn't like going to wrestling, but I was there. When, football, everything. I was there. I was supporting them, uh, you know, dance, whatever it was. I was there. I, and I was, I, I was all these different groups. I was starting all, all these things. I could do all those things because I had, they had my undivided attention. I was able to do those things when I was single. And guess what, you guys? I'm married. And if you try and, and say, hey, Steve, can we spend time together tomorrow night? Guess what I'm going to say? No but don't you love me? Yeah, but I love my wife more than you. I just do. A lot more. I love you, but, that's a big but, like, I love my wife a lot more, right? And, and, and so he's not like saying marriage is bad. What he's essentially unpacking with people 
is the mentality that, that you need to have that when in reality, you actually are, are, are right now in this season of your life where you're able to give God undivided devotion, where you're able to go with him to places, make decisions uh, that, that you're not going to be able to make or couldn't make when you're in a relationship. Like, like guys, I, I, like my decision process was really easy when I was single. Hey, do you want to do this? Let me, let me find out. Steve, do you want to do this? Sure. Let's say, yeah. I, like, it was quick. It was easy, okay? I would just go to God. That's it. Now, I'm like, okay, let me talk to my wife. Honey, hey, how you doing? And we talk about it. Sometimes we talk about it multiple days. Then we pray and all that. And then, oh, now I've got three boys. Oh, oh, shoot. Oh, they're there. And then it's like, okay, what do you think about? You know how hard it is to make a decision? Or just to go somewhere? I mean, we went to Sun River last week. You would have thought we were going cross country. It was stupid how much we packed. Like nothing simple. Now, I love being married and I love being a dad like nothing else. But I understand what he's saying here. There is an incredible gift and opportunity to walk in when you are single. There really is. The problem is we've allowed all the, these cultural, these people to, to define what happiness is for us, what fulfillment is for us, and you actually take this prime, this, this undivided time that you have in your life and you actually waste it pursuing all these things that aren't even gonna measure up when God's like, oh my goodness, this is actually a gift that you can choose to open right now and, and, and do incredible things uh, for him. And guess what? That's when you experience the fullness of this love, desires of your heart, this freedom that he promises that he brings into your life. You experience all those things, you guys. And what's so special is you actually see that he doesn't need to bring anybody in your life for you to experience that. Like, like, he can do all of that outside of anybody uh, being in relationship with you. Like, like he is totally enough. And, and Paul is like, I wish you could experience this. It is better for you to be in a place where you are 100% content with God. It just is. There is nothing competing uh, against God in your life. And so you have this, this time and place in your life. Now, if you're in a dating relationship, I'm not saying, hey, break up. I'm not saying that. Okay, it's great. Good for you. Okay, but I'm saying that if you're not in a relationship right now, you have a freedom, you have an ability to um, to respond to God and to do things in your life that a relationship might hold you back or hinder you from. And so you should consider that. He emphasizes, too, the urgency with the short amount of time we have on this earth. We are able to dedicate more time to those things. Guys, uh, marriage is a tough commitment. It is. Uh, dating relationships can be very difficult. They can be frustrating. They can be empty. Having kids can literally steal uh, your life out of you. Let me tell you, I come home and I'm doing CPR sometimes on my wife. I don't even know where she is. I'm like, is, is mommy here? Like, did she leave? Okay. Not literally podcast, but she's like, oh, I'm done. Guys, this is a gift. Stop being so fixated on the gift you don't have and open the one that's right in front of you. If you allow culture to define what makes you happy, you will always feel this not yet arrived 
feeling. And that is not just because you're single. Okay? If it's not about the singleness, you guys, it's going to be about something else when you have a relationship. There is a void there that, that you're experiencing with the singleness that actually points to a bigger need that you have. And, and it doesn't end because once you get the relationship, like, like guys, um, culture like puts tons of pressure on married couples. I, I know married couples that can't have kids and they feel so much pressure. They're so discouraged because culture is like, what's wrong with you? Why can't you have kids? I talked about living in San Diego. When you live in San Diego, there is an expectation that you're going to live this kind of lifestyle and you feel the pressure to measure up and to work hard enough to have that lifestyle. And so you're looking for that. You're trying to measure up. You're trying to achieve. And guys, that that points to the same problem that, that you're experiencing right now. And so deal with it right now. It's so much bigger than just being single and wanting a relationship. Guys, if, if, if dating doesn't happen, follow Jesus and you can still get God's best for you. And if you're desperation dating without it being God's design, it's going to be rough. Um, I know, like I said early on, I know a lot of people in horrible relationships. And I always say this, I can't imagine waking up in the morning and turning over in all my nastiness and looking at Lindsay and, and thinking in my head, that was not God's best for me. Guys, I can't even imagine what that's like. And I have friends that, that feel that way in their marriage. Guys, if you're, des if you're dating out of desperation, you are walking down a road that is not God's best for you. And I'm telling you right now, I just want you to imagine what that would be like to literally, you know, prayerfully be in the, the most fulfilling relationship on this planet that you can experience in marriage. And you turn over and you go, ah, oh, man, that's not God's best for me. I can't imagine that feeling. I can't. Philippians 4.11 says, Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am in to be content. The definition of content is a state of peaceful happiness. This can only come from God. And so stop replacing him with a relationship. And if you break up with someone or you have broken up with someone and it's rocked you, listen, okay? You're going to be okay. That person never defined you. God did. Give him control and let him complete your story, okay? And if any of you have broken up and it was rough and all that, guess what, you guys? Guess what? Here's the exciting news. You're still young. I mean, if it goes off the rail for me, I'm, I'm screwed. But you guys are young and everything is, is right in front of you. What an exciting time, okay? Um, I remember, like, uh, I remember that moment where I was like, I'm going to let you complete my story, God. And, and I remember I had a horrible breakup right before I graduated college. I mean, I had it all mapped out. I'm like, oh, yeah, you're perfect. This is going to work out, everything. And then just horrific breakup. And I go to this town to be the youth pastor. And I'm there. I'm like, I'm single. Uh, uh. Thank you, God. You know? And then I'm telling youth, oh, trust in God. Like, be single for the glory of God. And I'm, like, going home to my house by myself. Like, uh, I hate life, you know. Um, <laughs> typical Christian hypocrite. And, uh, guys, it, it took a while to recover from that. It took a while. It did. I'll never sit up here and just lie. Like, it's easy. Oh, it's easy to get have, have a relationship that you thought was going somewhere and it just falls off a cliff. That is not easy. That's tough. It's hard. 
but you're going to be okay. And a lot of times those things expose what I was placing my hope and trust in. And for me, it was a rebuilding process, but I'm so thankful I went through that process because it showed me, um, showed me the girl I was supposed to be with the rest of my life. And the reality is this. If Lindsay had not come into my life, I still could have experienced God's best for me. That's when you really find out, is God enough, and are you really delighting in him, okay? Let me pray for us.